tuned in to this episode of Pacey Performance Bite Size. So this clip comes from episode number 381 with Alistair McBurney and Tom DeSantos and we have a little chat around testing for change direction and agility. So a bit of a contentious topic that has come up a couple of times in the podcast but we get an expert view. But just before we do dive into this episode with Alistair and Tom I want to say a big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today. So if you're looking for a free solution to be able to collect, analyze, visualize and present data to coaches check out AMS Live from Rock Daisy at rockdaisy.com. So I'm going to dive into move things on a little bit but dive into the testing side and this is something that's it surprised me it surprised me a little bit I suppose in the last probably year when change direction and agility has been the topic of discussion people have and well, by say people probably three or four have said no 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 we don't do any change direction testing at all now used to moved away from it because we didn't get the information that we wanted or needed and we've we've kind of moved away from it so, coming back to you, Tom, and Alistair, feel free to jump in whenever um, whenever you feel appropriate. Testing in an applied setting. And just to caveat that, okay. just to caveat that, I spoke, I spoke to Ian Jeffries again more recently. That was a thing, that was another theme of the discussion was the lack of change direction testing that was being done with how, how he was coaching coaches and also in his own practice. So, with all that said, is change direction testing losing its place in an applied setting, Tom DeSantos? I suppose it is, but I don't think it should be. I still think there's a time and place for it. Uh, Obviously, I suppose it comes down to the needs analysis and the multi-directional demands of the sport. Most multi-directional demand sports will require agility people i don't know pre-planned change direction testing and training seems to get bashed at the moment because they say oh it's not sport specific it doesn't agility it doesn't involve perception action coupling however we test and train well particularly train sprinting in a pre-planned environment everyone's okay addressing sprint mechanics in a pre-planned environment everyone's okay addressing landing mechanics in a pre-planned environment but as soon as we want to do a change direction drill we immediately must throw a ball and a defender in where most athletes probably don't warrant the right for it because they can't master the mechanics in a pre-planned we don't go from our plyometric landing drills from a 50 centimeter box and thinking about an overhead target we do it in a controlled manner and i think that's why alistair was highlighting it really well we still want those pre-planned elements into it we're not saying completely remove the unplanned element in terms of our training but just think about the volumes and dosages and emphasize things at different densities i suppose the issue is with change of direction is uh, what i said to you earlier we've got six maybe five or six different change direction actions and the biomechanical demands and the are all kind of task dependent entry velocity dependent and angle dependent i'd argue in most sports our coaching philosophy is we want robust 360 degree athletes who are proficient at change direction off left and right limbs from low medium and high velocities if we start breaking it down into our tests, okay, we want our athlete to be able to sidestep at 45 degrees, 90 degrees, do some aggressive pivots. But then we need to make sure that you could be proficient on both left and right limbs. So from a kind of time and gait perspective, that means they need to do at least two trials on the left, two trials on the right at 45, 90s, 180 degrees, but that's five meters. So that shows that they're good at decelerating and change of direction from a low entry velocity. Do I now repeat the same thing at the high? 
entry velocity. Before you know it, we probably need 30 change of direction trials to build up this multi-directional speed profile just for a, a sidestep or lateral foot plant cut, cut in action. The issue is with the timing gates as well, we're getting no insight into movement strategy. We're just getting an indication from how quickly to get from A to B, which is fine when the objective is in most sports to get from A to B, but we need to be getting a bit more insight into movement strategy, particularly how are they entering, how are they changing direction, and then how are they exiting. So again, with the advancements in wearable technologies and these non-invasive technologies, we are starting to get a bit more insight into it. But timing gates provide you limited information because we can mask our deficiencies and change of direction with superior acceleration and linear speed capabilities. But to counter that point, I'm a really big fan of building like this change direction angle profile. So I think if you want to know how well an athlete changed direction from a range of different entry speeds and angles, we need to build this profile. We do load velocity profiling with our jump squats, which takes 45 minutes, probably. Why can't we do the same thing on, on the pitch and actually view this testing session as an isolated training session to elicit some training stimulus? Because we all do multi-directional speed sessions, just view that testing session as a conditioning session as well to elicit that training stimulus. So I would probably want to build a picture of their 45 degree, maybe 90 degree, because the techniques required for 45 degrees slightly differ to 90. And a 90 degree cut is going to be completely different for 180. But I do appreciate it will take some time. But and that's only applicable for one isolated change of direction task with that and performing that sidestep cut in action. In terms of agility assessments, I don't think there will ever be a perfect agility assessment because sport is chaotic. And again, it will only be reflective of that specific entry velocity and that specific angle of change of direction. I know there's been this big push on this 1v1 testing. So we, how successful are they evading opponent? Is there one hand touch? Is there a two hand touch? I think it's quite flawed, that approach personally, because we're still not getting an insight to the perceptual cognitive speed. And how do we standardize that defender for the attacker? How do we standardize the starting position? The, that attacker will eventually start getting used to that defender's position. And then if we try to use, are we, do we use the same defender across all tasks? We're not standardizing there. We can't use unplanned arrows or flashing lights or a non-generic or a generic stimulus because they don't differentiate skill level. Apart from Formula One and maybe swimming, I can't think of any other sport where they might have to react to a flashing light or flashing arrow. And actually you are increasing the potential uh, knee joint loading. So you do need that kind of sport specific stimulus. I don't think we'll ever be able to fully do that in the pitch. In terms of monitoring it, though, I think we do need to be evaluating movement quality during a whole range of tasks. So not only just accept, looking at the completion time, which is, is flawed, and even change of direction deficit is flawed, in my opinion. I'll come back to that. In, yes, in we will come back to that, Tom. I think, uh, <laughs> I think we should be monitoring. We should be filming our athletes' technique during these range of tasks to see how they're executing them. It's particularly with our aggressive change of directions. Are they adopting double foot contacting? Uh, are they predominantly loaded one limb? What's their trunk position like? We can be doing that as a minimum, whether it's for during a testing session or during our actual field-based conditioning sessions. There is, however, a no player maker are working on a change of direction angle. I think algorithm working on turning angle and change of direction time. I know Sportlight are using LiDAR technology, uh, which I'm currently doing a little bit of stuff with at the moment looking at their products so they're hoping they're 
looking at turning angle and change direction time, which could be used for player tracking during match play. And then LEDs React as well are starting, because the issues with radar, we can start assessing instantaneous velocity. I know we want to examine, I suppose the issues with change of direction performance. We can examine ground contact time, but we can manipulate our ground contact time by performing a shallower change of direction and making the task easier. We can examine exit velocity, but again, we can manipulate our strategy and just perform a shallow angle change of direction to get this inflated exit velocity. So there's a whole range of things we need to consider when evaluating change of direction ability, which probably makes people shy away from evaluating change of direction ability because it's very difficult to monitor exit velocity without a kind of radar device or 3D motion analysis. I know some people have used a radar device for a 180 degree turn, it's quite easy. We can assess instantaneous velocity going in and out of the change direction. But for our kind of more multiplanar movements, like a 90 degree cut, you'd need two. I know, I think Hayder and Martin Boucher have done some work with that, but the reliability wasn't great. So I think this is where the wearable technology comes into it. And LEDs React have got a really good product at the moment. They haven't validated it just yet, but... If it works, I think it could potentially revolutionize change direction testing because they're able to track the XY coordinates during tasks. So it isn't just limited to a linear task. It could just be more in a curvilinear and change direction task. However, we need to factor in ideally the trajectory during this change direction to see how they're performing that action because athletes can start rounding to manipulate and maintain speed. But that's what we kind of need to build that picture. Uh, should I talk about change of direction deficit? We'll come back to that in a second. Alistair, have you, have you no got worries. anything to add from a very much on-field applied perspective day-to-day -day when it comes to testing? Do you guys do any sort of change direction testing? I'll get moved away from it. No. So um, at the at the first team, it's a bit different in terms of the testing situation. I think it's a lot more lab-based, uh, a lot of the strength and power testing. And it's almost done as part of the training session as well. So you, you can use your force platforms, horizontal hops and jumps. It's a variety of different athletic assessments that are just a form part of the, the strength and power testing battery, which are also used to, to kind of as a, a training session as well. So in the same regard, I think that will be the way to go with the multi-directional speed testing and the change direction testing. Because like Tom said, if you're wanting to get an overall multi-directional speed profile, you're essentially going to have to, to potentially do 20 different tests to, to actually get what you want because not only do you want to evaluate change direction abilities, you want to evaluate acceleration abilities, maximum speed capabilities, and you know curved sprinting capabilities. So there's just so many different uh, maneuvers that require assessment in order for you to then target individualized training with so I think the way to go really is having these technologies in place that allow you to uh, perform testing in the field as part of your um, athletic development sessions. And like Tom said with uh, Les React, that's something that I think it can test up to four athletes at the same time. And uh, I mean, we're not we're not um, employees of Led React, so we're not actually just trying to promote it or anything. But essentially, you can you can test four athletes at the same time within a standard standardized drill, and that can almost inform part of each 
player's individualized multi-directional speed profile. And that can be collected not just in one session. You don't have to just go, right, this Tuesday we're going to do every single multi-directional speed uh, drill to get a profile. That can be collected longitudinally. Um, you know, the, the same way that we, we collect some force platform data, we might get them to do hops on the force platforms one week. Next week, it might be, right, let's get some Nordics done for um, that specific element. So it's almost like as long as you can longitudinally track it, form part of a database, which you can then use to, to inform when players have maybe reduced their capabilities uh, or, you know, you almost want it to be a point where it's relative to an individual and their capabilities, but also relative to a squad, uh, an age group. Um, and then you're able to kind of produce um, standards from this as well for the different actions. But they are being collected as part of the day-to-day -day practices. So it's not a case of going, right, we want this this group of players or this team to do a testing session here and asking for time off the coaches. It's a case of, it's just ongoing. Every opportunity that you get to, to measure a certain quality, as long as it's standardized, then you are getting a almost um, a dynamic or a there and then multi-directional speed profile that is getting updated each time you do uh, a drill. So I think, again, we're talking about technology that is in its infancy still. It still needs to be validated um, and it's it still needs to have the work done um, empirically before we, we'll all jump on and go, that is a technology that we want to use. But hopefully when it gets to that point and we have these different technologies, uh, whether it's through radar, whether it's through um, IMUs, these are the kind of um, devices that are going to give us the insights that we want and need, but also um, give it us in appropriate timeframes, which is also something that we want because... I've had discussions with Tom before and I know what best practice is in terms of what I want to evaluate with certain players, but we just don't have the time. You just, you know, you're constantly having a battle between if you're in an academy setting, it's not just a case of asking the football uh, coach for a certain time slot. You've also got the, the fact that these kids are coming in from school and they might be, you know, you have a training session dedicated for it and the, the school bus was late. So they come <laughs> half the squad's. Yeah. not in for that testing session and then you've got to wait another six months so it's a case of getting these um it, it's it's a case of testing without testing and doing it at a point where it's part of just the day-to-day -day, uh training sessions thanks for tuning in to this episode of pacey performance bite size this episode was number 381 from Alistair and Tom, and you can find the full episode on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to Rock Daisy for sponsoring this episode today, and I'll chat to you next time.